Hello everybody, welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. This is uh, one of those uh, guest interview episodes where I interview a guest. And today I'm speaking with Dawn Ennis, who is a journalist and a trans woman like myself. And we're just going to be, you know, shooting the breeze. So thank you for being on the show. I'm so happy to be joining you. This is exciting. Yay, I've been trying to get you on the show for ages. (laughs) I know, I know, I'm a busy lady. And I tell you, I work six part-time jobs, and over the summer is the one job I don't work, which is my teaching at University of Hartford. So when I'm not teaching, that means I have to work even harder to earn a living to keep supporting my three kids. So I'm a busy girl. <laughs> All righty. Well, I wanted to have a, a chat today uh, just in general about journalism and the state of journalism. Kind of wanted to get wow. your um, thoughts on that. Uh, I guess I want to kind of start with the. Uh, I'll start with a heavy one. What do you think has been the the coverage of the uh, Mar-a-Lago situation? Well, fortunately, there isn't a transgender angle to this. <laughs> so far, Trump has not found a way to blame uh, trans people for the FBI searching his house. Um, it's a very divided story. It's a raid if you're a conservative and a supporter of Donald Trump, and it's an overdue call for justice if you're a progressive like me, who has been waiting for the feds to finally take some kind of action against the former president. I don't believe this is going to end up with uh, Donald Trump being hauled away in handcuffs or even uh, a court hearing or a trial. I just think there'll be some kind of like, you know, ah. Shocking discovery that will somehow be all resolved without the uh, the justice system being involved. Would I love to see Donald Trump behind bars? I'm going to confess to you, yes, I would. But he's a former president, and I think it would be very rare, very unique, very unexpected for the Justice Department in one administration to prosecute the former president. I just, I don't know. Not over this, at least. I mean, sounds like he stole some documents that are pretty sensitive and um, I think the reporting's been very good so far I have to give credit to the oh excuse me it's late it's late Eastern time <laughs> um, I have to give credit to the Justice Department for keeping it under wraps they didn't have any leaks and that's quite an achievement that nobody found out about this until it was actually underway so um, you know the old Trump administration they leaked like a, like a, a sinking ship and the Biden administration has been very good about controlling and containing leaks. Okay. You've, you've been a journalist for several years. Oh, my uh, God. It'll be 40 years next year. What, was, what would you say was the hardest time for journalists in America? I think that um, September 11th stands out in my uh, lifetime as the hardest story to cover because there were people who I know who were right there at ground zero, right there as the tower started to fall. There are so many people who had someone close to them who either was affected or was killed, um, both in Washington and in New York and of course in Shanksville. And on top of that, oh, I'm getting emotional. You had to basically put your feelings aside. We call it comp- comp- 
hospitalization. So you have to basically take your feelings and your shock and your sadness and your anger and your fears, and you have to lock them up in a little box and get the job done until you have time to unlock that box someplace safe where you can deal with your emotions. And it went on for days that we were just working around the clock, and um, it really it took its toll. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever recover from the, the sight of the towers tumbling down. Um, my job, in addition to getting us on the air and, and breaking with the first bulletin, I had to go through all the videotape of people either jumping or falling to their deaths and edit that out so that we wouldn't show that again because we don't show people dying on TV. Even something as horrific as that, we just couldn't show it again. We showed it live and we decided to edit that part out. Um, there were other big stories. That was the hardest one, I think, for most journalists. Um, and the further you were from New York or Washington or Shanksville, the less the direct impact was. But, you know, people in L.A. were waiting for flights from uh, that were supposed to head to L.A. And there were people at air traffic control. And there were lots of other people who were affected. Um, there's a whole Broadway show called Come From, Come from Away about the little town in Canada that welcomed all these planes when they got grounded. So there are a lot of people around the world who were affected. What would you say is the hardest part about being a journalist today? Today it's that um, journalists are fighting with lawyers as to who's on the bottom of public opinion. Who's at the bottom of the ocean? Is it the, uh, the attorneys or is it the journalists? Most people have a very negative view of both professions, I'd say that um, journalists are not seen as unbiased. They're seen as very biased, and they're seen as having opinionated coverage. Now, I don't deny having an opinion. I don't deny, I have bias, I have a biased woman, I, I have opinions and, and biases. The trick is, can you do your job and not let those biases influence your reporting? That's the true tell of a good journalist. A good journalist is able to hate the New York Yankees as much as I could possibly hate anything and still report on the New York Yankees when they do something that people want to read about. Um, I don't like Donald Trump, but that doesn't mean I can't report on him fairly. Not every story I write about Donald Trump makes him out to be, you know, the idiot I think he is, but I have to be able to put that aside. And I think that's the struggle is some journalists are either swept up in um, opinionated journalism or that they're accused of such. And I think for the most part, most journalists are able to separate their opinions from the work that we do. Now, I get that a lot because I cover LGBTQ issues for the most part, not exclusively, but for the most part. So there are people who won't believe anything I write because they think, well, I'm biased because I'm you know, transgender, I'm queer. Well, that's not true. I can write about um, LGBTQ issues about showing my bias. However, I don't see LGBTQ rights or transgender rights as a political issue. A lot of people do. I see the civil rights. I see that it's a matter of equality. And just as I would not be able to report on racists or um, prejudiced people without taking the stand that racism is wrong, the 
argue this is wrong. I take the same stance with LGBTQ issues, I believe, that oppression of LGBTQ people is wrong. So while I can report on it without bias, I presume that my readers know that it's wrong to be biased and it's wrong to be prejudiced, including against LGBTQ people. That's the challenge these days. Do you believe that in certain circles, journalists have an obligation or a responsibility to be advocates, for example, when it comes to things like climate change, where if we don't do something, we're all going to die? Well, we're all residents of this little blue ball, right? Spinning this little speck. Um, I think that climate change is the most underappreciated, most challenging issue we have to fight with today. And we are still effing it up. We're still effing it up. And thank God for the, um, the, the Congress probably doing something about it, but I still wonder if it's too late. I, um, I think that there's two streams here. One is advocacy journalism. So not exclusively, but for the most part, I write in advocacy journalism for civil rights, for climate change, for progressive issues. But at the same time, I also write in mainstream news, right? So I write in mainstream news about climate change and I do not and, and will not um, allow uh, anyone's point of view to be either unrepresented or to be um, dominant. So in the mainstream news, I think we do owe it to the people who don't believe in climate change and to give them uh, a, uh, not a platform, but to expose their views. Because if we do believe that climate change is destroying our planet, then we have to expose the people who say it's not and then let the readers decide for themselves if these people are full of you know what bull hockey okay because there's so much money invested so much money invested in fossil fuels in uh, old energy coal things that will um, continue to hurt our planet and because we're facing billions of dollars and people whose entire livelihoods, their family history is tied up in fossil fuels and coal and other climate destroying energy. That is an obstacle that I'm not sure we're ever gonna be able to overcome because there's so much money involved. What would you say is the best part of journalism today? I wish that the TV news people would stop calling everything breaking news. I mean, breaking news used to be reserved as something really unusual and special. I mean, it just happened. Now it's like, it happened today, so it's breaking news at 7 o'clock. It's just really sad. CNN's new boss, a friend of mine, has ruled that they should stop calling things breaking news as it really is breaking. In addition to the thrill of being part of telling a story, especially when it's something that we know, that we haven't been able to tell the public yet. That's really exciting to be able to be part of that. I think that the most important and exciting at the same time part of journalism is opening someone's eyes to something they didn't know before. When someone tells me that they didn't know about either someone or something and they learned about it through my writing, I can think of no higher compliment than that. I really enjoy being able to um, expose, reveal, pull back the curtain, um, share 
the stories of people and places and, and, and events. Um, I was the first one from ABC News in Sandy Hook, the massacre that was, oh my goodness, a decade ago this December. Um, I was the first one at a TV station in New York to have the words to write the plane head smashes of the World Trade Center. And we broke into network programming with that. Um, I did a few presidents, Nobel Peace Prize winners, um, average folks, heroes. Um, I've been very fortunate in my career, 40 years next year, to, um, to really have witnessed history. And, um, you know, they say news recording is the first draft of history. So that's probably the most exciting part for me is writing that first draft. Almost forgot. I had the byline on the story of the century. Supreme Court declares marriage to be equal. I mean, what's bigger than that, that we have equal rights to get married? That was quite an honor. I was at the Advocate Magazine, 2015, July 26, 2015. And uh, that was just huge. And we were celebrating. And it was a momentous big story that I wonder now in our current conservative uh, court, I wonder if that's going to be undone. I really do worry about that. How do you describe to people what journalism should represent and what, what the goal of journalism is? Journalism is not dog bites man. Journalism is man bites dog. <laughs> this is something a professor impressed upon me many years ago when I went to school. Journalism is about the unusual, the unexpected, about things that we didn't know were happening, letting us know what's happening. If every day's news was, well, as expected, here's what happened, and we expected this to happen, and uh, you know, the sun rose and the sun set, well, yeah, that's pretty much every day we expect that news is something surprising something sad something exciting something thrilling i just watched a, a tv report just a minute ago uh i was watching with my youngest son sorry she came out as trans i gotta get it right my daughter and i were watching uh, a report about a little town in illinois called casey that has the world's biggest things world's biggest mailbox world's biggest wind chime world's biggest rocking chair. It's just a cute little story about how a town decided to put themselves back on the map when big business moved out to try and attract people to spend money in their town. I loved it. That's a great story. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell people all the time that journalism is not trying to change your mind. We don't want to change your mind. But we do want to open your eyes, open your ears. We do want to expose you to things you may not either thought about or considered or known about and I think that people perceive journalists as um, in someone's pocket that they were controlled by uh, either advertisers or financial um, tycoons and I'm not going to deny that there are news outlets that are run based on how you know advertisers spend their money they have ratings right I'm not going to lie that there aren't news outlets that have a philosophy that is based on some big business person's um, point of view. You know, Fox News, it's Rupert Murdoch's baby, and he 
he wants it to be a certain way, so that's what they do. Um, I, I just want people to understand that what journalists, what human beings who report are doing is just trying to tell you a story, for storytellers, and you should definitely be suspicious of everyone who is a journalist, just like you should be suspicious of everybody. I mean, one of the rules, Stephanie, one of the rules of journalism is if your mother tells you she loves you, get a second source. <laughs> We're supposed to be skeptics. We're supposed to make sure that anything we ever learn, that we have more than one source to verify and be sure we're telling the truth. Because otherwise it happens if we get egg in our face because we break a story and it turns out, uh-uh, not true. <laughs> okay. Do you think that journalism is a form of education? Can be. Um, I, I don't want it to be uh, where people learn things, but I do want people to um, respect that, first of all, non-English speakers learn a lot from watching the news because they learn words, learn English, um, but as far as learning about our world, reading a newspaper versus watching a TV report are two gigantic things that are different. So watching TV is sort of like going to a TMZ. All right, and reading this paper is like visiting the library and opening up a big book. And there's a whole different way of reporting. TV news is fast and flashy, and just a quick couple of seconds of this, a couple of seconds of that. Look at these pictures, and you know TMZ is like that. TMZ is all gossipy and stuff. And uh, the newspapers are full of detail and full of interesting information. Maybe you don't want to read a newspaper with your hands. Maybe you just want to go online. But even online, you'll find that there's much more detail and analysis. Now, again, the problem is, which newspaper are you reading? Which news source are you watching? If you want the most unbiased news coverage, may I heartily recommend public broadcasting, like the, the News Hour, the BBC, which, I'll be honest, has not been very good to trans people. So I say that with a caveat. But for the most part, they're taking a world perspective on the news. And the, the, uh, the other is the radio called National Public Radio, NPR. There's, none of these are making money. They're all, you know, working for the people. And I think that lends itself to more fair, more accurate, and more in-depth reporting. You're not going to get in-depth watching any of the big networks or watching the cable networks or even reading a newspaper, especially some newspapers and some newspaper websites. What's happened in the last 10 years is that there's been a, uh, a, silo, a silo of the news you want to hear from your particular point of view. And people don't want to hear from the New York Times or Washington Post because it's too liberal. And people who are liberal and progressive don't want to hear what Breitbart and the Daily Caller and uh, other conservative, like, you know, One American News, Newsmax, they don't want to hear what they have to say because that's biased. And the others on the other side say the progressives are biased. So, again, I really think NPR and the News Hour on PBS and even the BBC, I think those are much more unbiased news sources for your listeners. What would you say is your least favorite thing about being a journalist? 
when I was working at the major networks, I hated having to cut down my stories so they could be shorter. I remember once having to write about Bosnia-Herzegovina, and I was told by the editor it had to be 10 seconds long. I said, I can't say Bosnia-Herzegovina in less than 10 seconds. That's a joke, of course, but it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you have to write a story 10 seconds long. How am I informing anybody about anything that's thousands of miles away in 10 seconds? I also hate writing about the Kardashians and other celebrity gossip stuff. Just, you know, who cares? But um, I, don't, I don't miss that. I don't have to do it anymore unless I want to. Um, I also miss the six-figure salary that came with writing about Kardashians. What's your view on the current state of newspapers in the United States, and do you think there's anything they can do to turn things around? I think more and more newspapers are either shutting down or limiting their um, their publication to, say, weekly or um, bi-weekly. Some are going completely online. Some are stopping publication altogether as far as actual newspapers. And a lot of people still like reading the newspaper with their hands. I'm one of them. And I'll tell you, I can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper. I really can't. What I remember is buying a newspaper for big events like Biden beats Trump. <laughs> um, I feel that, um, like, like a lot of things that happen in time, we um, we still have record players, but we don't have record players with a big horn on it, right? And we still have cars, but we don't have cars that we crank to start. Newspapers are going to have to evolve. And it may not be that they continue to be in print. It may be they have to go electronic. I think that's one way of trying to um, keep it alive. But how do you monetize that? I mean, paywalls? That sucks. I hate paywalls. Every time I see a story I want to read, I get a click on a paywall. I'm like, oh, I hate that. And I decided I just won't read it rather than pay, you know? Um, I think the other problem is is that to survive, some newspapers are selling themselves to unworthy um, buyers, buyers of an agenda who will turn a newspaper from an unbiased source into a uh, left or right-leaning publication. And that, that makes me sad. When you were talking about compartmentalizing and keeping uh, your opinions out of the news, how much of that re- do you, would you say goes back to emotions? Do you, are you allowed to get emotional in a news story? Oh, absolutely. Um, we try not to make ourselves part of the story, okay? But when it's something like September 11th, I think that if you're in danger, if you might lose your life, that is certainly a valid perspective. I have one reporter I worked with in the days after 9-11 who told his viewers, I know you may, and this is funny in considering where we've been the last two years, I know it seems scary that I'm wearing a mask, but I don't believe that the air here is safe, so I'm going to wear this mask on TV, and I'm sorry if that scares you. Because the government... Um, it was then the Bush administration, the second Bush administration, and former Governor Whitman from New Jersey. She became the EPA director. She went on 
would be to say the air at ground zero is safe. And we've learned all these years later, it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. And that reporter was smart to wear his mask and show that as part of his story. As far as emotion goes, I, um, I, I think showing other people's emotions is where I draw the line. For the most part, we should not be injecting our own emotions on covering a story, but we're also only human. So um, if you are reporting and you are um, emotionally compromised, I don't think it's wrong to show that if it's the truth. But, you know, I don't want a reporter also, you know, there's a movie called Broadcast News in which a, 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 a neophyte in the t- TV reporting business cries on camera when he's interviewing a rape victim. And it's obviously staged. And I just spoiled it for the rest of your listeners who haven't seen the movie, but um, when, that's, when that comes out, it, it destroys um, uh, someone's perspe- perception of him because it just it obviously was staged. So uh, it's not right for us to trot out our emotions, but if they appear naturally, if they appear, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but just if it's something that comes about because it comes about, well, I guess you don't have to hide it. But our focus is not us. It never should. We shouldn't be this story. What do you think the future of journalism looks like in the United States? You know, Max Headroom is <laughs> back in the '90s. I think it was, or maybe '80s. There was an actor who played a, uh, uh, a synthetic um, TV person who was he was both cameraman and reporter, and he was like this character in digitized form. It was very interesting. I think that. Um, we'll probably see the uh, extinction of newspapers and magazines. I think we'll see um, greater use of tablets and phones. And we'll also, we'll also um, I think, become much more interactive. Right now, a lot of us have TV sets in our homes and we have a computer somewhere else in the house. And I think the merging of the TV and the computer is gonna be within our next decade, if not less than a decade, where the computer and the TV will all be one thing and they'll hang on a wall and we'll just, you know, talk to it through our watches or our phones or something. And I think that we'll be getting news from fewer sources. I really do think that having ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, I just don't think all of them are going to last. I think sooner or later, somebody's going to say, okay, that's enough. We, we gave up. We, we can't do this. doesn't make any sense. Because they used to do it for the common good, and now they do it for money. There's only so much money. What would you say has been your favorite news story or favorite type of news story to work on? Uh, I love talking to people who are either coming out or have come out about the joy of them being the true and authentic selves. I interviewed uh, Leo Baker who is a famous skateboarder who has a documentary that's on Netflix right now called Stay On Board, and he was such a joy to talk to. I interviewed all but one of the stars of Star Trek Discovery who are LGBTQ, and talking to them was such a joy. 
especially finding out that one of my favorite actresses, she plays Tilly on Star Trek Discovery. And um, what's really interesting um, is that uh, Mary Wiseman is herself queer. And I didn't know that. And apparently nobody else did until she came out during my interview and she's queer, which is great. Those are my favorite stories. I also love talking to kids. I love kids. I love talking to kids because I think kids are, you know, they're so innocent and they tell you straight out what they're feeling and they're thinking. And if you're a good reporter, you can get a good interview with kids. Some people are really sucky at talking to kids because they're looking for sound bites instead of reality. And reality is kids don't talk in sound bites. What advice would you have for a young journalist who's just getting started? Learn everything. Learn how to write. Learn how to shoot. Learn how to edit. Learn how to edit your writing. Learn how to work with other people who will be editing your writing and telling you, go back and rewrite this. Learn to take criticism. Learn to... Um, uh, not worry about special effects and editing, but editing for clarity and for time. Because time, you know, we all have short attention span, theater attention spans right now. So um, it's really about like getting people to, to really understand what's going on. Um, and then lastly, I would tell people, I know a lot of you want to be on TV or the radio, or you want to be in front of the camera in some way or not. Learn your skills behind the camera first. Get that nailed down. Get that down so that you don't have anything holding you back, and then step in front of the camera. Because there are so many people who have only one talent, which is to look pretty or look handsome, and they're not going to last. But if you have all those other skills first, you are a... Um, a multiple threat and someone can hire you for multiple opportunities and that you can still possibly fulfill your dream of being in front of a camera or on the radio or whatever else. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah. This has been a One wonderful more. discussion. Learn how to spell. Learn how to spell. My oh, God, I don't know how to spell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, but yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All righty. Well... I, I had a wonderful conversation. I'm glad you were able yeah, to come too. on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Take care. Bye.